DNB Tech Minute gives you the day's top tech headlines, from the big names in Silicon Valley to the halls of power. If it's making news in tech, we've got it. Check out TNB Tech Minute in the Tech News Briefing feed from The Wall Street Journal. Coming up on the Money Beat Podcast, inflation, volatility, it is data-getting week. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul Venus, Stephen Grosser here with you. As always, unless one or the other of us is on vacation or somewhere else, or you know, so we're not... Always. But I'll say as always, because usually as always, we are always here. We are also joined today by Ben Eisen. Our, uh, our, actually, Ben, now you're, you're really kind of part of the Money Beat team, right? I am, with the desk being moved over. With the desk I am being a moved full-fledged that, right, member. That makes it official. <laughs> so that means that uh, at a moment's notice, you will get pulled into a podcast. So just be ready at all times, to sit in front of a microphone and opine. I stand ready. All right. And we are joined in D.C., our friend David Harrison. David, how are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Uh, good, good. And, and David, you kind of sparked this today's podcast, really, with your piece, talking about Janet Yellen and inflation, because that's what we want to talk about. Uh, Janet Yellen, the Federal Reserve Fair chair, chairwoman, speaks tomorrow in New York, uh, Economic Club in New York. She's giving a speech. John Williams is also on the docket. A lot of Fed speakers this week. A lot of data grocer this week yeah. too. As, as you're very Friday, excited Friday's about. Friday's going to be a very busy day down the uh, across across the globe too. It's not yeah. just in the U.S. Not just in the U.S. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited. We're trying to come up with a name for this week. It's it's so much data. It deserves a title. This week deserves a data themed title. It's like a party. Data getting. Yeah, that's what he's aiming for. Uh, But this morning, we kicked off Datageddon. You like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this morning, we kicked off Datageddon with uh, some inflation numbers, David. And how is all that going to play into what the Fed is thinking on inflation? And I guess the big question now is, are they ahead of the curve, behind the curve? Do they care about the curve? Well, yeah, you're right. That is pretty much um, the big question. The the numbers today were... um, uh, a little soft. I mean, headline headline inflation came in at around at one one percent year over year, which is uh, slightly slower pace than in than in January. Um, what uh, people have been really watching though is the core numbers, and, and core more or less stayed steady uh, at around one point seven percent year over year, and that's that trend is a little bit um, just a it's a little bit faster than um, what the Fed expects. You know what it projected in its. Uh, in the uh, in its projections after its March meeting, so you know we could be seeing we could be seeing the start of of some inflation pressures, which might put the, the Fed um, you know might might put some pressure on the Fed. But uh, I would say it's probably a little soon to say uh, to say whether or not they're they're, they're starting to be behind the curve. Um, for one thing, uh, Janet Yellen at uh, the press conference in March was uh, um, was pretty. I would say almost dismissive of the of the inflation numbers, saying she was wary, and that's that's her word. I'm quoting: she was wary of the inflation numbers, uh, thinking that there may be some uh, some residual seasonality in there. They may not be quite uh, quite so accurate. So we'll just have to see as the months progress if uh, if she's right. You know, if the uh, if inflation really if these 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 first few months of uh, PCE inflation uh, will will soften a little bit, or if uh, we really are starting to see some some inflation pick up. In which case, who knows how the Fed might react? Ben, I was just going to go to you. Just like you wrote a piece, you know, last week and this week, just showing that you know investors are sort of putting their money now, showing concern about inflation and where they're putting their money. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you look at uh, fund flows and and just uh, the amount of money that's kind of gone into uh, these are funds that invest in treasury inflation protected securities, which are um, they sort of increase in value along with inflation. So you're kind of protecting yourself against that. Um, Money has been flowing into these funds for about six weeks now. Which does show some signs that, that that people are you know interested in uh, in protecting themselves. At the same time, because inflation expectations have been so low in January, you know the, the rebound and recovery in those expectations also sort of provides some room to profit. But um, there really seems to have been kind of a change in tone that we've seen since since back in January when people were kind of fretting about whether we would be having deflation. You know, you haven't really heard that word in a while, yeah, so yeah. it's a uh, it's definitely sort of a, a sign of changing times. <clears throat> you haven't had it in a, a couple of months, right? I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, a month and yeah, maybe, maybe Who knows where we'll months. be in, in May, of course. Right. <laughs> and and you know, the thing of it is, too, what I find really interesting about this whole debate is when the Fed started doing these things that it's been doing, we're going back almost seven, eight years now. You know, when the Fed started doing these things, everybody was talking about hyperinflation. It's going to get out of control. It, it never happened. It never happened. It still hasn't really. I mean, 1.7%, David, that is not a big number. Let's not kid no, ourselves. So not. we're still talking about relative. We're talking about very, very relative levels of inflation here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is, yes, absolutely. Nobody should, uh, should start thinking that we're going to see sort of prices spike anytime soon. Um, the What's interesting about this 1.7 level that we've had now for, for about two months is that, you know, this is coming off a period of almost a year uh, where core inflation, excluding, you know, food and energy, which kind of, which are, are very volatile categories, had been sort of around 1.2, 1.3% or so for for about a year. So, this is not. We're not talking about sort of a huge, um, a huge uptick, but we are. We are maybe seeing you know a little bit, just a tiny little smidgen of of movement, um, and that's you know the Fed has been has been trying to encourage this for 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 a long time, uh, and we're now at what 40, 45, 46 months. Forty six uh, was the story this morning. Yeah. Yeah, forty six months where they've uh, they've missed their um, their two percent target. So this is. What we're what we're seeing isn't so much sort of we're not we're not at any risk of seeing inflation going you know going to dangerous levels, but we may be getting to the point where uh, the Fed may be getting closer to its two percent target, which would be fairly significant. And I mean, you still see people uh, kind of talking about you know not necessarily runaway inflation, but 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 people saying oh the Fed has sort of a laissez-faire uh, attitude towards inflation. They're not they're not on top of what's going on mm-hmm. with inflation, and it still sort of reflects that tint of of you know, we're going to yeah. get runaway inflation if the Fed doesn't do something. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe that just sort of reflects the, the, the fact that these numbers can move very quickly. Right. They really haven't over the past, you know, couple of years. But, but you know, in the past, if you go a long ways back, they they have moved very quickly. Right. So. And, yeah. you know, as someone who's always buying the, the 50 to 75-foot rolls of aluminum foil and often interested, very <laughs> tempted to put them into fashion, them into a hat. So I've got – I'm very sympathetic to the, the, the point of the hyperinflationists, which was that what the Fed was doing under normal conditions should have created – a lot of inflation. I mean, it should have. They stuffed trillions of dollars of, of new money, liquidity into this. It should have created that kind of inflation. It didn't. The reality is it just it quite simply did not. But it, it should have. That, to me, is one of the biggest sort of um, breaks with what, what you know, was predicted and what was happened. And, and the reasons just show, again, 
how bad the, as you always say, Grocer, how bad the crisis was, how deep the recession was. Who was it we had on a few weeks ago that said, like, basically central banks around the world have gone from, you know, their job was to keep inflation and fight inflation right. to really fighting off deflation mm-hmm. um, in the last, you know, seven years. And that's sort of more the new normal now. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it? I forget. That wasn't uh, Mervyn King on Friday, no, no. was it? No, 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 it was earlier. Might have uh, been Muhammad. Yeah, it might have been. yeah. One of the questions, though, is I do find it interesting. You talk about Janet Yellen being dismissive of, uh, of in, you know, inflation, con- you know, um, concerns at her uh, at the March meeting. But since then, we've had a number of Fed speakers sort of come out and sort of, you know, view that the that inflation ha- is gaining traction. Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? There has been a fair amount of uh, Fed speak uh, since the meeting. That's that's almost, I mean, almost put put April back on put April back on the table right. for mm-hmm. uh, for for a movement for a rate increase, which uh, which was surprising. So, um, yeah, there there was. It does suggest that there is some. I mean, there is some debate within within the Fed. I mean, inside the boardroom, it's clear that there is definitely some some conversation about whether or not this. Um, these uh, inflation moves are are for real or not, and whether or not they can be they can be trusted. One thing that's um, interesting in this sort of conversation we're having about this fear of of inflation picking up too fast and you know hyperinflation and so on uh, is that you know we, we shouldn't necessarily be surprised too if this if this push continues if we do see inflation continue to creep up. Uh, let, we shouldn't be too surprised if the Fed lets it uh, go above two percent for a little while. Um, They've been quite clear this year. If they've made it, uh, said, and I think uh, Janet Yellen mentioned this um, in her press conference, that um, the the target is what they call symmetrical, which means they're uh, they're they're trying. It's not it's not a ceiling, but they're they don't want to undershoot it by too much, and they don't want to overshoot it by too much. But they're willing to overshoot it by a little bit for a little while, just because they've been undershooting it for so long. Mm-hmm. So you know, we could we could end up with a situation where. Uh, where inflation is is over two percent for a little bit, uh, without seeing too much response from uh, from the Fed, and uh, you know that could also bring about a fair a fair number of speakers. Uh, some of the more I, I'd say hawkish speakers might um, might come out in force at that point, but um, but it's something to uh, to keep an eye out for. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break here. Ben's breaking the studio apart. I don't know what he's <laughs> doing over there. Uh, let's take a break and uh, we get it. Reset our bearings. We'll be back right after. This message. Hi, this is Kevin Sitzemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Hey, I hope you checked out our interview over the weekend. Mervyn King, former governor of the Bank of England. I, I thought that one turned out very well, Grocer, and had nothing to do with the fact that you and I were doing it. I don't mean it like that. I just meant, you know, we asked questions and Mervyn gave out some some excellent answers. So it was very good in that sense. Uh, check that one out. We have two other interviews this week that we're excited about. Brian Hull, uh, sort of a, a legend in the high-frequency trading world on, well, we'll record it on Tuesday. I'm not sure when exactly it'll drop. And later in the week, David Sheriff, who is an author, has a book out called Break Up the Banks. Guy is, he's, and he's not the only one out there saying it. Wow. Like, Saying there's still a case for reforming the banks and breaking them up. Cash Carry is is out there saying that. I mean, 
Right. Out of the Minnesota Fed. Right. So we'll get his take on that. Uh, let's get back to what we're talking about here. We're talking about the Fed and inflation and the markets. And, and one of the interesting things to see, too, is, look, you know how the markets have been this year. They're basically flat right now, but they were down. They were up. They've been very volatile. Ben Eisen, your piece today, uh, talking about people betting on this volatility. Well, not only that, I mean, we've seen like a, a real like slowdown the last few weeks as earnings season ended. and Right. Yeah, and I think uh, people seem to be maybe a little bit concerned about just how, how far and how fast volatility has fallen. We've really, you know, we're back to sort of the doldrums that we saw before, uh, before August when the market went a little crazy. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of unease around all of that. Uh, so one place that's starting to show up is in um, these exchange-traded products. Uh, these are exchange-traded funds and notes that um, that track uh, indexes of, of VIX futures. So basically, um, the, it's taking a, a long bet in VIX, uh, which you don't you can't really invest in VIX unless you buy a, a fund or a, a product that that uh, that tracks it, or or else you know buy options or futures. So. Um, so we're seeing sort of uh, a record amount of money that's kind of equating to a long bet in VIX, which is which is interesting, just given how low uh, VIX has become. Um, and it's it's uh, where is it right now? It's uh, somewhere below Low fifteen. Teens, right? Fifteen, yeah, yeah. So it's around fourteen and a half right and now. It was up close to thirty earlier this year, right? Right, it yeah. It wasn't above 30. It peaked around 28. And uh, and back in August, if you remember, it, it went up to 40 very briefly. Um, and it didn't stay that way very long. But, um, you, you know, back at the beginning of the year, there was really a sense that uh, everyone was talking about being in sort of a new volatility regime. We, you know, we have the Fed lifting interest rates. That's not not sort of clamping down on, on volatility the way we had seen for a number of years. So uh, the fact that we are sort of back to, back to, to where we were um, on the VIX, you know, well before the Fed raised rates is, is uh, uh, it, it creates this, this definite sense of concern. So. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, this is all, what's also interesting is we saw this, we saw a very similar scenario play out from August through the, the fall, whereas, you know, you had this heightened volatility in August, markets plunged, markets rebounded in September and into October, and, the, you know, the VIX came down. But you, you, you saw, if you looked at the VIX curve, people were still betting on volatility later on in the future. And it's the same thing here. No one, and, and I don't think anyone has a feeling that this rally now has, you know, all the problems are in the past. We've just had a calming and people are expecting, you know, there'll be more volatility soon. Definitely. And, and you know, one one thing that's particularly interesting about these volatility products that people invest in is is um, just by way the, the way that they're structured, they hold, you know, different uh, VIX futures contracts and, and they sort of roll from one month to the next. And because of that, they sort of naturally lose money most of the time. So uh, you're basically sort of making a bet uh, knowing that you're going to have sort of this constant uh, – oozing of money unless the VIX spikes. So yeah. it's often sort of a short-term trading tool, but you know, to the extent that people are putting money in and leaving it there, that's, uh, they're losing money until they make money, basically. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, David Harrison down in D.C. still on the line with us here. David, yeah. I, I know how we feel about the markets up here in New York. It's such a <laughs> central thing to us. You know. what's, the, what's the take in D.C. on the mar- I know the markets matter, but I mean, what are people saying about the markets down there? I mean, how much, do, how much weight do they really put on this? 
You know, we're not we're not hearing a whole lot about the markets per se, um, but what we are hearing in terms of volatility is just is more a sense of concern over the the whole global uh, the global picture, just the global economy, the global volatility, mm-hmm. which is you know obviously something that's, that I'm, I, that um, I, I imagine is playing into the the, the volatility in the markets. Um, that's something that. Uh, a lot of officials down here, Fed officials and others, have really been. Um, I think that's really what keeps them up at night: is this fear of this global uncertainty that could um, that could really hurt, harm the harm the U.S. expansion. And that's something that uh, I know Janet Yellen has talked about quite a bit, and she may bring it up um, at her speech tomorrow. But that's that's really sort of you know when they when they to the extent that they that they really focus on the markets, I think they're really focusing on on the global the global picture. One of the questions, you know, how much. Are people focusing, and this gets, goes back to your other question, on the sort of financing? The, 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 a lot of the market volatility earlier in the year tightened financing for companies and all that. And when do you think we'll sort of have a good sense that that really hasn't been too much of a drag on the U.S. economy? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, that's, uh, I mean, I think that the jury's, jury's still out. We'll have to wait for. Um uh, to see some some more GDP numbers, I guess, see how yeah. inflation uh, how inflation uh, reacts. But um, yeah, that's going to be you know that's 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 I guess one of the things that they're still that's still you know cautious about to use Janet Yellen's word. I mean, they're still kind of reacting cautiously to see if these financial conditions uh, you know they've tightened a little bit, see how they how they how they respond. Hey, yeah, you talk about GDP. Do you guys see this morning? The do you watch? Do you, David? Do you follow that Atlanta Fed GDP now tracker? Um, I do. I haven't seen today's uh, today's release. Yeah, it's it, it, ugly. Yeah, it was oh, ugly. Really? And if anyone, if any of you folks out there are not aware of this one, uh, the Atlanta Fed has a pretty good GDP. They call it GDP now, and it's 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 an approximation of almost a real time sort of projection what GDP is going to look like. It's not a perfect tool, but it's a pretty good tool. So they came out this morning after the data, and they lowered one Q GDP their forecast to zero point six percent. I yeah. mean that's that's not good. And it had yeah. been up at, at yeah. two point five percent, something right. like that, uh, you know, just a month or so ago. Yeah. So big fall. Yeah. That's um there've been a number of, of people I think revising downward their the GDP projection. I think that's pretty much a rea- response to today's um you know, consumption numbers of right. revision the January right. revisions which were so so off, so far off. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Ben, one thing I wanted to ask you about your piece, and, and this is you can tell me if this is me projecting, is me sort of reading through it. As I was reading through it, you talked about a, a bunch of these these exchange-traded products, and some of them, I mean, there's real money going into them. But talk to me about the, the, the time frame nature of these things. It seems like so many of them are short-term. Is this really investors trying to protect themselves, or is, or is this market professionals just betting on volatility? That's that's a very good question, and I think there's um, the answer to this to the time frame question is there's people of all different time frames. You know, we talked to a bunch of day traders who, mm-hmm. um, you know, one guy told me he 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 puts money into these things for anywhere between like eight minutes and three hours. He's like, you know, he sees technical patterns on a chart and he sees stocks are going to go down and therefore this product is going to go up and you know. Uh, there's that, and but but I think when you do look at the money flowing in on a daily basis, and uh, over the last month, you really have seen the the net assets and and a bunch of these products uh, go up. You know right. that does reflect uh, something that's definitely longer than a couple hours. Yeah. Uh, people are leaving their money in these things, and and we did talk to some people who who. Um, 
you know, they they were just they had sort of the simple explanation. They were just nervous about uh, you know how low Vic, Vix had gotten, and and they wanted they, they wanted to protect themselves. All right, all right. Oh, did you want to? I was no, going to no, wrap. Was, but do you want to say something? Well, else? I was just going to say. I mean, like it does feel to me very much like the same thing we were going through last year when oil sort of rebounding a bit mm-hmm. and the and you know then the markets calmed down. We went through this incredible. Remember how boring last spring was like you know sort of April yeah. March yeah, yeah. where the market was like we went so many days without we were yeah. pining we were yeah. pining for some news and then oil started going back yeah. down and the market volatility started coming back that's one of the things that you know I wonder like no one expects oil to you know no one thinks oil's bottomed I don't think right. I think there's a lot of concern about oil and whether if oil starts going back down again if we're going to see a return of market volatility yeah. I don't know but it does feel that way to me. Right. Well, none of us know, right. but we all make educated guesses. And some not so educated guesses. All right. Uh, David Harrison, Ben Eisen, thank you very much, gentlemen. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, Stephen Grosser, Paul Vigna. This has been the Money Beat Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on WSJ.com, of course. And we will be back several times this week. Data Geddon Week. Huge week culminating Friday's jobs report. So stick with us all week, folks, and we'll try to get you through it, and we'll talk to you soon. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.